Welcome to 90% Mental. I'm your host, Grant Parr, and thank you for joining us for our seventh episode. Well, it's that time of the year where every Major League Baseball team is reporting to spring training and baseball just around the corner. My guest today, Aaron Miles, who is a former professional baseball player and a world champion. Today, I'm going to have an awesome conversation with Aaron. We're going to talk about dealing with adversity, the different kinds of pressures at the professional level, and how to get into zone and keep the zone. More importantly, we're going to talk about his experience as a world champion. He talks about a few different stories, very interesting stories on how he dealt with just being on the world stage and how he fulfilled his childhood dream by making it to the World Series. What you're going to hear in our conversation is a theme that Aaron talks a lot about and he's very passionate about, and it's about positive self-talk, having that very healthy inner dialogue as an athlete. He feels that no matter what happens in your performance, whether it's in competition or practice, you, you've got to stay positive and you've got to get into your comfort zone. You'll hear Aaron talk a lot about it and stress the point on this is the foundation of, of an athlete. So again, my viewers are going to, if you love baseball, you're going to really enjoy this conversation. You're really going to get a lot of stuff out of from what he says, because I know I did. So let's go talk to Aaron. Hey, Aaron, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me, Grant. You bet, man. I'm, I'm excited and I think my, my viewers are going to be really excited to, to hear kind of your, you know, your thoughts and your perspective on mental performance and just kind of going back 17 years playing professional baseball. And um, I think they're really going to have a, a real uh, enjoyable time listening to you talk. Absolutely. Uh, hopefully my, uh, my six-year-old uh, won't uh, just start running and screaming too much, so try to tell my fiance to keep uh, keep the kids down at the other end of the house. So, no, not um, a problem. <laughs> not a problem. If that happens, you know, it's just all acknowledged at the. Uh, you bet, man. Well, um, I'm really interested in talking about some of the topics that we're going to kind of dive in today with, you know, kind of your perspective of how a professional baseball player's mindset, uh, how to develop it. Um, versus you know practice versus competition, dealing with pressures at the professional level, and just kind of your take um, sports psychology in overall. Like, how does that look today in baseball? Are the players bought in? Are organizations bought in? And I also definitely want to kind of dig into a little bit of probably one of your most cherished moments as a baseball player, your World Series experience. So. Before we get into to those topics, I, I always open every podcast with this question. So, what does mental toughness mean to you? Mental toughness, what does it mean to me? Mental toughness is kind of a, well, straight to the point, uh, and I'll elaborate a little, but straight to the point, it's uh, your ability to succeed uh, given the multiple factors that can be thrown at you um, within the realms of sports. Uh, and when you're still talking about mental toughness, mainly you're talking about how well does a player, person deal with adversity? Mm. Um, and and do, does that person not let it affect him negatively? And the ability to, you know, mental toughness is not just about the game being played, it's about the preparation, what it takes, and 
You know, does somebody have the attitude, the the desire, and, and uh, to accomplish what they want to accomplish? And do they not let adversities or obstacles get in the way of where they want to go and what type of person they want to be, what type of athlete they want to be, the type of anything. Uh, the mental toughness is is the ability to shut out the bad, turn the bad into good. You know, I, I'll play on a quote that I've heard. I think it was, I heard it in Rocky and Mike, Mike Tyson. And I think it comes from Cousin Amato, or probably came from somebody before him. And it was, you know, kind of the fear you know, it's, it's a good thing mental toughness kind of played in. Is the fear of like a fire, if you let it, you, it can burn your house down, or you can have it fuel you. You know, it can heat your house. It can, you know, the, some of these things that might destroy others, you use it as fuel. Um, you know, you let your fears and your anxieties uh, kind of guide you in a way that. You know, I, I want to work on this area of my game. I'm not scared of it. Uh, and so, you know, you let it be part of your positive fuel as opposed to, you know, making it something that destroys you. So, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. Again, um, middle toughness is a, it, you know, it can be something that's in the now, and it can also be, you know, something that, you know, two years from now, I want to be this fast and this strong, and I'm going to have to be in the gym five days a week for the next two years to do it. And do you have the mental toughness to be, you know, and that determined to stay to it? Or mental toughness can be, that guy's bigger than me, I need to attack him, where am I going to get the strength to do it? Right. Um, you know, so... That's kind of my answer right there. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, me feeling, I feel like I excelled at this because, you know, I had to have the mental toughness to, you know, prove the naysayers wrong. Anybody that, you know, is of shorter stature in the realm of professional sports who has to deal with, uh, you know, overcoming. Uh, being, you know, showing you can play with the big boys. So I'm five foot seven, and there's not too many guys around that, you know, I could say were playing where I was playing. So, you know, you feel you grasp it a lot, and, you know, it's a big part of, of every athlete. That's awesome, man. You said two things that, st- that stood out to me, you know, as far as mental toughness is, is dealing with adversity and and also how the internal and external distractions which could lead into fear and how if you let fear in how it can you know how it can burn down your house and and so it's interesting cuz i i have this you know my relationship with fear and working with athletes with fear is a, it's a choice you're choosing nobody is telling you to be fearful you're you're choosing it and a lot of times depending on what that fear is and what it's fueled by you know, the acronym for fear for me means false evidence appearing real because at the end of the day, it's you against you. It's nobody else. No one's making you feel a certain way or think a certain way. It's all you. So if you're mentally tough and you can control those things, then fear doesn't become a factor and allows you to be to deal with adversity. 
So, with that being said, how, how did you deal with adversity at the professional level? Uh, well, it, it's it's a trial and error, trial and error, big time. There are there's multiple there's there's a bunch of things. You know, uh, let's get straight to the point. If I fail at this, and I I want to be a professional baseball player, I want to continue. I want to make it to the big leagues. And if I don't get a hit today, or if I don't do well in my games this month or this year, uh, I'm going to be back home and I'm going to go back and fail at what I set out to do. And every day you have to try to get rid of that as I need to get a hit every time or I need to do well. And you need to, you need to compartmentalize that and, you know, set small goals because when we look at the big picture sometimes it can be overwhelming and that can just be a negative you know all this huge thing above me that I think I can never overcome so uh, that's one thing that's why it's really good to sm- set small goals mm-hmm. uh, at, you know as, as an athlete and, and but always always never never really you know you want to compartmentalize that because you still want to revel in that sometimes, but you can't let it eat you up. You can't let it uh, completely eat you up. Um, so, uh, I, well, the question again was, how do you how do you uh, deal with some adversity? Right? Yeah. How do you deal with it? Okay. Um, you have to be positive. You have to. I remember one off season I came home and, you know, I was thinking to myself, okay, uh, you know, these other guys are passing me up. So-and-so is a better prospect than me. Uh, the team's going to move up this guy ahead of me. You can't worry about that. What you have to do is take a good look in the mirror and say, what type of player am I? Who am I? Okay. And be honest with yourself about who kind of is could you be like okay and not not wishful thinking like you know I could be Babe Ruth or I could be you know I could be uh, uh, somebody now I could be Mike Trout I can't be Mike Trout so you have to take a good look at who you are in the mirror and say what do I need to do to get better and sometimes that's hard to think. Sometimes you're thinking, hey, I could still be Mike Trout, okay? Right. Um, so you need to have a realistic view of yourself, and you need to know what it is that you need to do to get better. And when you can do that, now you have a plan. Right. And having a plan should at least give you direction and some of this negativity that might come about, like, uh, you know, um, I I swung at the slider too much in the dirt, or you know, I need to be able to hit for more power. You need to know what it is that you need to practice on to to conquer that. And um, you know, when you do, when you have failures back to back to back to back, you have to just take a breath. Say other people have been here before. It's that's why it's good to know history. It's good to know history of other players. 
It's good to be able to read up on, you know, Jose Canseco went 0 for 40 one time in the big leagues. He had a stick where he did that. Chances are somebody has been in a worse spot than you, and they climbed out of it. Okay? So um, there were times when I would, you know, go to an elder player, uh, you know, a a player that had more – a coach or somebody and say, ask, you know, what did you do? How did you do this? Um, how did you stay positive? And, you know, he gets back to knowing that hard work always pays off, having a plan, not blindly going at it, being realistic with yourself, looking in the mirror of who you can be, what you can accomplish and setting small goals so you're 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 not you're not thinking too 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 far ahead and trying to do too much at once. We try to do too much at once. A lot of times we're going to fail. And you know what we want is successes, successes. And and um, that's why sometimes you got to set your sights a little bit smaller at first. Um, so. Yeah, that's a that's a big part of me dealing with failure was understanding who I am and what I can do and and how to get better and looking to guys in the past and you know looking at hey there's failure all around and you know you know that at some point it's going to turn you just got to stay positive not let it get you down. That's great. That's awesome. You know. When you think of adversity, um, especially when you look at your career, you, know, you were drafted by the Chicago White Sox, and then you went to the Colorado Rockies, St. Louis Cardinals, Chicago Cubs, St. Louis Cardinals, Los Angeles Dodgers. How did you, from an adversity standpoint, how did you deal with moving from team to team almost every other year or every year? Well, there was there was times where I stayed in, in – in the same organization. Right. Um, you know, and part of, you realize that when you get into professional baseball, and I had a buddy of mine, I remember my first year with the White Sox, actually I was drafted by the Houston Astros. Oh. Um, but yeah, if you look at my thing, it also says I was taken in a, in a different draft, uh, a minor league draft by the White Sox. Got it. You go back for that. But so when I first got to the White Sox after being with the Astros, there was a player who I became great friends with who was traded away that year in spring training. And he started crying when he found out he was traded. <laughs> because he built up all these relationships and he was very close with these guys. It's the only family he's ever known besides his family back home. And he was really upset and he cried right there and you know guy got traded and a year later he got traded back to the team they wanted him back and I ended up being a good friend with him then um, and so you know he dealt with that he had, it was a big thing moving teams changing teams um, you have to know as far as when it comes to professional baseball and I know this is and, and some of these youngsters who play on a lot of these other teams, they can kind of get this feel right now, too, at this young age. But when you go to professional baseball, you have to consider yourself, you are your own business. 
Mm. You, you're, you know, I was Aaron Miles Inc. You know, and the where I'm at is not as important as what I'm doing. You know, me perfecting my skills, doing what I need to do, Um, and the the you know some of the adversity and the trials and tribulations of traveling and moving from team to team is hey you learn to make friends uh, you learn to that you know you're going to be taken wherever your your baseball takes you and you know it's you're going to have guys that you become close with and have to say bye to and uh, you know it's, it's, you talk to hear some guys talk now you it's they're with these guys every day for six or seven months, and then they go home to their, you know, wife and kids. Or they go home to their families in the off season, and they maybe talk one time, and then you know show up again next year in spring training, and you see them every single day. So, you know, at, at some point you become a professional, and it's it, it, some for some guys it takes a year or two, a couple of years to to realize that uh, it's a business and you're going to be shipped off here and there. And um, when you do, you know, hopefully you got a good personality and you make friends quick. But you got to know, keep your head on the prize, and that's your business. Your, uh, you, your, you're your own company. And uh, that's, 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 that's professional baseball. Right, right. It was... Was there a team that when you – was there – any of the teams that you got traded to, was it hard? Uh, was, there team, was there a team that was just um, – uh, Hard. Well, there's – sometimes it's, it's hard uh, making your way on a team when you know you might not fit as well. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean personality-wise. What I mean is – um, you know, let's just, you're a second baseman and the team you go to has a really good second baseman. And you say, well, I can play third base too. Well, they got a good third baseman. And, oh, they got a good utility infielder who plays second and third too. Mm. Um, and, you know, I remember with the Reds, they had Brandon Phillips. I went to the Reds. Brandon Phillips is going to play 160 games a year. He's going to take two games off maybe. Uh, Scott Rowland's going to play third base. There's some there's some playing time there. He was getting older. So I figured, oh, you know what? I might have some playing time at third. Then they had, they got a backup. Uh, the shortstop was Orlando Cabrera, who was up in his years. So I wasn't considered a great shortstop then. Uh, so I knew that they were going to have to get an infielder who was going to play shortstop predominantly. So basically... I was in a situation where I need to play third base really well and show them that I should be the backup behind Scott Roll because Brandon Phillips ain't coming out of the game. Right. You know, and then, so then I, you know, I traded there, and it wasn't really a trade that actually was for me. It was they wanted to get rid of a salary from the, another player, and the Cubs that had gotten rid of me, get rid of my salary, I went to the A's, and the A's had kind of been like, well, we don't really got room for them. Okay, let's switch swap players. 
So it's like sometimes in baseball these happen, these bad contracts. You know, somebody's getting paid a pretty good amount of money and uh, they don't really, they didn't really do well the year before, which I didn't. And so you end up kind of going to a team and basically you're there if somebody gets hurt. Right. And, you know, I started as I actually ended up getting hurt that spring training as well. So it really hurt me. And, I, you know, there was one player I was kind of going back and forth with, like, okay, they may keep him, they may keep me. Well, he had played a lot more third base than me. He could play second as well. They already had their backup shortstop. And I started looking at it like, I may be on the outs here. And that is a tough thing for a player who had only been in the big leagues for the last five years. And here I am going, wow, I what's going to happen to me? And again, you go back to, you know, that same mentality of rising the ranks of the minor leagues. Like, just keep coming to work every day. Stay focused. Do what you can to get better. Focus on what it is that you do best. And know that it's... If you just keep doing what you need to do, you keep working hard, uh, preparing, that if you're going to end up somewhere. And I didn't end up making that team. I ended up getting released, sent home, ended up being picked up by the Cardinals a month later. So it all worked out in the end. But, you know, you had to deal with some of that adversity and you can't panic. Do your best. And uh, you just know you can't get negative about it. You got to stay positive about it. I remember shaking Dusty Baker's hand and Walt Jockney's hand when they released me. And I said, you know I'm going to beat you guys this year. I'm going to get on one of these teams and I'm going to beat this year. And, you know, to me, I was not bitter because I said, look, it made sense to me. I didn't fit on that team as well as I fit on other teams. Right. It just happened to be I was in spring training with them. And, you know, they smiled at me and they go, you know what, Miles, I hope you get the chance to beat us because – you're a good guy, and, you know, you just didn't fit on this team. And, you know, you could have made it. Maybe we got an injury here or there, and then you, you move your way in. So that's a lot of times that's baseball, especially for a utility player as myself. Got it. Got it. Well, when you talk about having a mindset, well, I'm going to ask you I'm going to ask you kind of a two-part question here. Um, when you're playing in AA and playing in AAA – is your mindset different playing at that level versus playing at the premium professional level? And are the pressures different from double AA, A, triple A ball versus professional ball? Well, you just said the only difference is the pressure. Mm. Okay. That that is one hundred percent it. Now, there's pressure in double A and triple A, especially if you have that huge cloud over your head of I'm trying to be a baseball player. I want to play in the big leagues. I want to do what I have to do to do that. And, you know, I got kids and, you know, buy I need to make enough money in a short period of time to set myself up. There's all these, you know, I want to be able to walk down the street and say I'm a big leaguer, you know. Um, but in the big leagues, when you're in the big leagues, you know that if you mess up, 
It's going to be on TV, on SportsCenter. It's going to be on the local channel news. You're going to have a reporter in your face saying, you messed up. We lost because of you. <laughs> okay. Right. And in AAA, yeah, it, you still might have that, but it's it's nowhere near the magnitude of being in the big leagues. In AAA, yeah, sure. You know, you're playing for the Sacramento uh, uh, team, which Sacramento is a big city and everything, but it does not have this... Uh, it's not as big. It's just it just isn't, and and we all know that. We all know that, and it you know it gets bigger every step you go. But when you're in the big leagues, that's what it is. And there's and that 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 pressure right there makes you unbelievably better. Mm. Not in a sense where now all of a sudden I'm so much better, but now you've got eyes on you every single. Angle, and every play is dissected. Oh, look! You should have been right here. You should have, you should have vacated your spot a little bit earlier. And things that may not, that some of your coaches and some of the may not have seen at AAA because you don't have a camera on you at every angle because you don't have this. Some of these things that really parts of your game that aren't as tight as they should be because it's impossible. But at the big league level. You got a camera on you. You make one mistake. You deal with it. You analyze it. You say, this is what you need to do to be better. And you become a totally better player. I think, you know, I spend all this time in the minor leagues becoming a better player, having good coaches around me, watching the game, but they can't see everything. They can't see every angle. And, and the fact is, too, when, you know, when you make a mistake in AAA, you might talk about it. Right, you might say this happened, and then you know, okay, and it might be in your mind for a little while, and then you might make the mistake again. Mm. But when you make it at the big league level, and you say, you know, you keep making this mistake, you're not gonna have a job here anymore. You keep making this mistake, you're gonna keep being on Sports Center as the the guy that made the mistake. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it sticks in you better, and. All that, that's why, you know, pressure makes you better. It can absolutely kill some people. Like you say, the fire, the, the, it burns your house down as opposed to that fear of if I mess up, that fear of messing up has now fueled me to be that much better. And it's not, you know, it's the awareness, it's the video, it's the coaches telling you and, you know, you got there's more on the line too. Take away all the media and everything. Um, you got a pitcher out there who's, you know, if you're playing in the wrong spot and he looks back at you. I remember my first year, guy hits a ball and he looked at me like, "Why are you playing right there?" <laughs> you know, wow, geez, I'm sorry. You know, he's like, "This is no joke." You know, this is we're trying to make the playoffs. Right. You know, I'm trying to stay in the big leagues just like you are. Right. You're hurting me. You're taking food off my kid's plate. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so, again, <laughs> the pressure is so much more. And the how much better you get because of it is immense. It's amazing. Right. Well, you know, it's when you look at pressures, some of them are very obvious from the spectator perspective of, you know, if the World Series, the playoffs, um, 
you know, a sold out crowd or it's ninth inning and there's two outs and, you know, the winning runs on third and you're up. I mean, there's all these different pressures, contracts, you know, but it's interesting when you talk about media and ESPN because as of today, when we look at social media, it's, it's even more immediate where athletes, whether if you're high school, collegiate, professional, you're, you're a moment's notice away being exploited, whether if it's positive or negative. So if you do something well and you hit a home run, boom, within three seconds, it's going to be broadcasted over the world. But if you do something stupid, well, then it's going to be broadcasted in, in all over the world in a couple seconds. So it's funny how media, when you played, it might be a little bit different now with social media because it's just so accessible and so quick and how how that can be an, another added level of pressure to an athlete. Absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, I talked about it just in, you know, you're hitting on it. It is instantaneous now. And we're all on the social media and it can, it can add, it adds another level to pressure, you mm-hmm. know? And then we get into something I think, you know, I didn't quite touch on good enough of when you're out there in the game and the thoughts of these negative, like, oh, if I mess up, what's going to happen? My Twitter feed, my this, uh, ESPN. And then those negative thoughts, you know, how they keep you on point, but you can't let it burn you down. And when we say, how do we, bet, how do we not let it burn us down? Right. Well, it's the ability, the mental toughness comes in, the ability to focus and look toward you have to say to yourself I'm in the big leagues Mm -hmm. or if you're in you know if you're a high school kid I'm on the varsity that means I was better than every other kid he my coach has me in the lineup right now because I'm here and even if you're the kid who, who isn't in the starting lineup, who gets his chance and says, oh, this is my one chance, I can't mess up. Right. You have to say, you know what? There's a bunch of kids down. There's a bunch of kids that aren't here right now. They're sitting at home, and I'm ahead of them, <laughs> and I have this opportunity. Totally. So there's always people below you, and, and there's all, you, you're, you've beaten out all these people in life, you know, and you have to – Revel in that success to say I'm here now, and I've done a whole bunch of stuff that proves I should be here right now. Right, and I'm good, and I and, and you just think, and, and and you say, and you really that's why it's, you know I talk about the negative things of being on SportsCenter. Well, you know I've made the bad play, and I've been on SportsCenter for making the bad play. You know what? It passes. Yep. You deal with it. It passes. The highs, you know, are great. The lows are bad, but they, they go. They come and they go. And and you need to recognize the fact that you are good. You are there for a reason. You are there because you've made the play right many times. And you have to focus on, I'm a winner. I'm a winner. Not, oh, God, I hope this doesn't happen. And, you know, the you know, some, some psychologists would say, Oh, God, if you're having these thoughts, this is completely bad. Well, I'm not of that school. I believe that every player at some point is going to have those thoughts creep in. Certain guys have it less. Right. 
certain guys have it less, you know. Um, and and that's a and, and that's that's good. That works for them. Um, the ones that have that negative thought more, if they're really successful, they've developed a good thinking process to get back on the positive thoughts. And I think, you know, you have to realize that the more you succeed, the more your brain says, I'm never going to have negative thoughts. Right. You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, uh, for instance, and, and success is all relative too. I mean, you know, all of a sudden, you're, you know, you're, you're been getting three hits a game, three hits a game, and then all of a sudden you look at who's pitching tomorrow, and you're like, oh, it's Roger Clemens. I've never got a hit off him. Oh, does that mean all of a sudden now are you all of a sudden going to be negative thinking? You know, or are you like, hey man, I'm hot right now. I'm hot right now, and that's you know, that's where the mind is. You know, you're human. You're going to think of it. Negative things. Larusa had somebody come, and he 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 would have a lot of people come talk to us, and he had this general, General Hal Moore, who was actually uh, the general in We Were Soldiers, Mm -hmm. the movie We Were Soldiers. Mel Gibson played him. Yep. And this guy, he he tested one of his jobs in the military was testing parachutes. He said, "I thought he was joking, but I mean, you know, I'm not going to call him out." (laughs) But he said. There's always a problem, okay? And as, as positive-thinking sports guys, we don't want to think that, you know? But he said there's always a problem. If you think there's not a problem, that's the problem. So, again, we want to be positive-thinking. We want to, you know, we have a positive frame of mind. But we always want to have that little thing in the back of our head saying, this might happen so don't forget to don't forget to check that box, you know. Don't forget to check that box. Right. Um, and and you know, again, you never want the negative thoughts to rule you and start to give you a negative feeling. You want a positive feeling. Right. Oh, that's, that's huge. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, you were making the point earlier about like Roger Clemens and. We, uh, I always call this our you, you versus you. I was saying this earlier. Is that we make up the story in our head if it's going to be positive or negative or fear or what. But when I work with a lot of athletes and teams, it's it's really incredible when you when you talk to some athletes. They're like, oh, that guy's ranked fifth, or they haven't lost in seven games. Who cares? At the end of the day, it's another human that plays baseball on the same baseball field. You gotta trust your process. You gotta trust that you're just as good that anybody else out there. And you get the ball, and but we make this story um, that that kind of cripples us at times. And so when you're talking about having positive thoughts, you know the brain is is made to wander. It's made to process all these different things at all at one time. And when you think about in in a in a day, we have 800 to 1400 thoughts, subconscious and conscious, a day. So how many of those are positive? How many of them are negative? And how many are just kind of idle, just kind of just sitting there out there kind of wondering about certain things? But when you're in competition, 
like, yes, you're right. These negative things will come up. It's, it, it is kind of natural. It's just how does an athlete control it? How does they? How can they take that negative thought and turn it into positive, or not allow that negative thought to cripple their performance in the way they think? Uh, well, it, it comes down to um, doing it right more of the time. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, one one of my buddies used to say, "Hey, if you're starting to get some negative thoughts on ground balls hit to you, maybe it's because the field's bad." You know. And you'd be like, well, then maybe it take 30 more a day until you go like, man, I feel really good now because I'm taking more and I just feel better in the negative thoughts. Or maybe that feels so bad that taking more of them actually hurts you because you're just you're just proving that this field's terrible and these balls are keep taking bad hops and that you keep getting bad hops and you keep messing up. Right. So there's we'll go into places sometimes, especially in the league I am now, and you know the infielders start getting a couple ground balls hit, and they start you know not looking like they're in their same mode, and they're almost defensive. And I say, hey, look, we're done. We are done. Right. We're not. We are not going to keep this negative thought in our head. Screw it. You know, we're not going. We're not going to do it. And. and just the ball's going to be hit at you in the game and you're going to get a good hop. Right. You know, and when you do get a bad hop and you do make an error, guess what? The next one's going to be a good hop and whatever. The other team's got to deal with it too. The other team has to deal with it too. Yep. And so, you know, uh, there's, you have to be, you know, again, it gets down to, I proved I can be here. Yep. I proved it. I can be here. That's why I'm here right now. I'm the best option we got. I'm the best one, okay? And and I'm not gonna let I'm not gonna let this opportunity go. I'm not gonna do it the wrong way, mm. okay? I mean, you can say, you know, we all say, you know, you talked about the baseball. You know, These guys haven't been beat, or this guy throws like, you know what? In baseball, it's only the ball, right? The pitcher's throwing it. He's got to throw it. I mean, yeah, there's a good hitter out there, or there's a bad hitter. But you throw that ball, you're done. You're done. Right. The hitter, the hitter is, that guy throws it. Guess what? It's a baseball, and it has to go over this plate. Mm-hmm. So guess what? You're going to get a chance to swing at a baseball over a plate. You know? And, and then the infielder. It's just a ball rolling at you. Now, you get into football or boxing... And now it's, I've got to move that body or that body's going to try and tackle me. Then, you know, all you get, my technique's going to be better. I, you know, he's a bigger guy. I'm going to go after him because I'm going to have better technique. I'm going to get under him. Thinking of positive thoughts, you know, staying in the now and, and um, just knowing that all your preparation that you've done, all your preparation that you've done, has put you in a good place to succeed. Yeah. And if you have that negative thought, guess what? Go right back to man. I practiced good this week. I had a great practice. Right. I. You know what? Yeah. And and even though last week I made an error that hurts, but guess what? I'm back out here again, and I had a great practice, and I'm feeling good. And if you know the field's terrible. 
you've got to find a way to have a good feeling. Right. And sometimes, sometimes it's, sometimes the, the, the ability to have a good feeling, sometimes it's, it's completely stepping away from the realm that you're in. Yeah. You go, you know what? Something's going to happen here. It's either going to be good or bad. Okay? But guess what? I'm going to be at home tonight eating my mom's cooking. <laughs> and I'm going to go to sleep and I'm going to watch my favorite TV show. And I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to get to practice and do everything I do to play this game again. Who cares what happens? Life goes on. Right. And when you can separate the moment of the athletic and say, this is just what it is. And, you know, it's, it's hard to do sometimes because the game means so much to you. And, and you know, but the best do it. And <laughs> I think it's really important that when you do, when you do fail, and it hurts. And this is one thing I try to tell everybody. It does hurt. You, you're out there again. You're out there again. You didn't give up. You didn't say, you know what, after that last play, I'm done, I'm never playing again. Right. You know what I mean? The the fun and the greatness in the competition. You may not always win, you may not always succeed, but you live to to play again. You live to fight another day, <laughs> you know, and and you say and you just tell yourself, you know, hey, you got and this is one of the biggest things. If you are going to continue to play sports, if you are going to continue to play sports, you are going to have to deal with failure. Big time. You are you are going to have to. Big time. And it's part of the game. And when you realize it's part of the game and it will pass, then you just say, now it's like, you know what? Those things happen. Let's, let's think positive, though. Because you know what? Chances are, if I'm still playing, I'm the one out here right now. I'm making the play more than the next guy, and that's why I'm out here right now. Yep. And you know what's interesting yeah. when you think about negative thoughts? It's it's really hard. I don't care if you're if you're performing or not. I mean, you, you could be just in your home, you know, moving around your home, doing things. If you're living in negative thoughts, it's really really hard to move forward. It's really hard. You get because you get kind of paralyzed and crippled by these negative thoughts, and they and they can turn into something bigger if if you let it. So like you're saying that that having a healthy inner dialogue that that positive self-talk is huge when dealing with adversity, dealing with failure, so that's huge. Um, you know, when I and this is more from a high school perspective that when I'm working with teams and, and athletes, majority of the time when I'm working with at that level, when I ask a team or an athlete what their relationship is with pressure, is it positive or negative? And a lot of them will say it's negative. And so what I do is I try to teach them to embrace those moments where, where fear comes in or when it's very high pressure. Um, so when you think of baseball, especially in a hitter, like I was kind of painting that scenario earlier, when it's ninth inning, there's two outs, and the game-winning run is on third. As a baseball player... Do you do you thrive for those moments? Do you love, do you embrace that moment? Do you, do you want to be in that moment every time, or or does it get scary sometimes when you were playing at a professional level? I love love being in that moment. Uh, 
And, you know, part of it is, is, um, you know, here's a good way of looking at it to say, I'm on the right side of this. As a hitter, you know, you're supposed to fail if you're good seven out of ten times. You know? So why wouldn't you want to be in that in that moment? Because, you know, the stats say you're supposed to fail. So if you do well, hey, you just did an amazing thing. If you don't, then it's like, hey, you know, it's tough. It's in the stats. Right. And if you're the pitcher, if you're the pitcher, you've got to think, you know what? It's hard to hit. <laughs> they, they, the best hitters only going to hit three out of ten times. There's no – I got, not, I got uh, seven other guys out in that field going to catch it even if he does hit it. Right. You know, he might even – and I, this is one of my favorite sayings. Baseball is one of the only sports, I, 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 you know, maybe you can find another one, that you can do everything wrong – and succeed and you can do everything right and fail you can line out hit the greatest shot ever as right. a hitter and it goes right to the shortstop or <laughs> right. right to the center fielder or he, you hit it over the fence and the, and the center fielder goes up over the and catches it or you're a pitcher and you can leave a fastball right down the middle and the guy pops it up or you can throw a nasty slider in the dirt. The guy swings at it. It goes past the catcher. And the next thing you know, he's on second base. Right. <laughs> right. So, um, <laughs> you know, it, that's the beauty of baseball. And you, the, you, you learn to say, I can control this. Right. Don't think, don't let the magnitude of the situation uh, create negative thought. Stay in that moment of stay in that regular thought process, you know. Now, certain things change, you know, you face different pitchers, you need to look in this area, that area, you know. You always want to stay in a thought process that's going to give you the best opportunity to succeed, okay. And sometimes, you know, just thinking about situations. Sometimes thinking about the negative thing uh, can help a little bit, but most likely there's a better there's a better way to think of it. For instance, okay, let's say I'm facing Trevor Hoffman, who has a really good changeup. Okay, I go up in a situation where I have a chance to win the game. I know he's going to throw it to me. <laughs> right. Okay, but if I just let that thought get in my head too much. Now, am I looking? I don't want to hit the changeup. I especially don't want to hit the changeup that starts at my thigh and ends up in the dirt. But just knowing that, oh, my God, he's going to throw it. He's going to throw it. Now, all of a sudden, my brain starts going, well, that's what's coming. Are you going to swing at it or are you not going to swing at it? Stop thinking about what you're not going to swing at. Start thinking about what you are going to swing at. Right. So (laughs) that's when a lot of times as a hitter, you can think, well, I'm thinking about – I'm. Seeing the whole lay of the land, what he might do to me, what what do I really want to look for? And then sometimes we call it analysis paralysis or, you know, paralysis by analysis. Right. We, you want to go, wait a minute, I'm overthinking this. Just look for the ball in the middle of the plate and hit it like I always have done since literally. (laughs) And we, as a professional, 
we talk about this all the time. Are you overthinking it? Are you overanalyzing it? Is the overanalyzing it is all because we have all this information. We've got these iPads in our disposal, every camera angle. What did he throw me last time? I remember being on teams where the whole team was struggling hitting in, in a certain stint. And <clears throat> we're going out. I remember we were on the Cubs and Lou Pinella comes and he just comes and he says, nobody <laughs> is watching video for the next three days at all. <laughs> nobody. Right. And we're like, what? Some of the guys that love it are like, how can you do this to me? You know, he's like, we didn't have that when back in the day. I played without it. You guys are going to play without it. And he wanted to just clear our minds of it. Right. And, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, I want to see what he did to me last time. Well, last game he struck you out three times. You really want to watch that? <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? Right. You really want to watch that? Like, well, yeah, I want to see how he did it. How he did it. He just beat you up. That's how he did it. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. It, so... There is, you know, as like Will, you said, Will Clark, we were talking earlier, you know, just turn the mind off and go in that automatic pilot, you know. And that's not to say that there's always a base you get back to. That relaxing guy who's just taking BP, the ball's in the middle of the plate, crush, right. you know. And, of course, as a hitter, you think, this guy has this stuff. I should think this, you know, a guy with a good sinker ball, you want to see the ball up. You know, a guy that throws really hard, 96, 97, you want to see it more down. So you have these things that you you think more along the lines, but it never, you can never really, you don't want it to over overanalyze it where you get out of that just swinging a good pitch. And I, you know, there, I, some guys who watch video and they'll be looking at what the guy did doing last time. And I remember my good buddy, Preston Wilson, good outfielder, before the game, he'd be in his, right in his locker and he'd have his iPad up or his laptop and he'd be watching just his highlights. Mm. It was just his highlights. And we were like, what are you watching? He's like, that's my pimp video, man. <laughs> I watched it. Every time before every game. And it's it's like I'm watching myself do what I do and do what I do best. And it brings his mood and his thoughts of his positive thoughts up, you know? Totally. And you know, it's not like, hey, you know we're facing Greg Maddox. He's not gonna leave any balls over the plate like those ones you're watching right now. It's like, well, yeah, he might. If he does, I'm gonna hit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So and other guys just you know their favorite music they like to listen to gets them in that positive kick butt mode and they're ready to go and it's like all the negative thoughts are out because this is what I do this is my routine my routine helps me get into that positive thinking and I'm ready to go this is how I succeed yeah that's that's awesome because it's 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 highlight videos it's music uh, it could be getting on a phone with somebody, whatever it is to get you locked in, get you dialed in. And when you do that, you not only are you confident, but your motivation is just at a level where you're, you're almost bulletproof when, when you're going into a situation where you've done, done the right things, where you followed your, your own performance routine, right? So I, I love it. I love it that that baseball player was checking out his highlight films because, again – that's one of the things that I like to do with with athletes when they're dealing with confidence issues. Is go, go look at your highlight reel. Yeah, you'll, you'll get motivated real quick. 
I, I call it. I like to also call it retaking home field advantage. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. We're playing on my terms, dude. We're playing in my brain, in my good feelings. You know, it's not some negative atmosphere. Right. This is how I put myself in my positive atmosphere. Even when I'm on the road playing in a hostile environment, in my own brain, I'm, I have home field advantage. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, when you were talking about hitting as well earlier, because um, you hit – when you were playing baseball, you went both ways. You hit both ways, which is incredible. I can only imagine being a, a professional baseball player how much you have to visualize – your performance at the plate. Did you spend a lot of time visualizing on both sides of the plate? Well, it's an interesting thing. I mean, you you know, for one, you have to, you know, put in the work on both sides of the plate, you know, for a long time. I mean, I was doing this when I was really young. So I was honing the skills from both sides. Uh, in a way, I feel it's, in my own way of thinking, how do I attack pitchers and and my thought process when I go up there, I have one plan to hit for two sides. Hmm. Okay, and we know if we're facing a, if I'm facing a lefty, I'm batting right hand. If I'm facing a righty, I'm batting left hand. Okay, so if you're just a right-handed hitter, you have to learn to hit the slider from the righty going away from you. Mm-hmm. And then you also have to learn to hit the, from the lefty coming into you. Okay, well, me, I only had to hurt, learn to hit sliders breaking in. Wow. Okay, which is a huge advantage. That's why it's, it's an advantage to switch hit. I never had to learn how to hit a slider that breaks away from me. Right. Okay, so that's kind of a big aspect in that. And it takes a long time, though, to to get to the point where, you know, I was able to go, there's a fastball, boom, I'm right when I, you know, left, I had so many more bats left-handed that I was better for a long time until, you know, slowly my right-handed bats start to catch up. And, um, you know, it's, the maintenance is, you need to keep the maintenance up as a, as especially as a guy who, is a utility player who might not be in the starting lineup every time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've really got to make sure you're taking those extra swings to keep the other side locked in. And, you know, I mean, switch hitters are very valuable. If they're bench players, it's like having two players on the bench. Right. Um, and then, you know, you're going to get more starts because, you know, you, you – there's no the, the the manager feels like you have the advantage, you know. You're you're batting the other way, you know. That slider's breaking in, you're not away from you. So, um, it's something that, like I said, you need to build up the long term practice regimen, and there's a you need you know it's two sides that you have to develop. But once you get there, and once you have the you know, it all built up, it's just one plan, <laughs> right. you know, as opposed to, you know, what do I look for when I'm facing a lefty? What do I look for when I'm facing a righty? Well, for me, it doesn't matter. It never changes. You know, I mean, certain pitches are different and those things change, but it's, I mean, it's one simple plan. 
Right, right. When you talk about being locked in, and we were talking about this before we got on the call earlier today, but you know, a lot of baseball players have these routines, whether if it's a habit or a superstition. When a baseball player hits the bat on the you know inside of his cleat three times and plays with his gloves and then adjusts his hat and then he gets into the into the box, did you have a routine yourself? Are they important for a baseball player to get locked in before they get into that that batter's box? It, it, it's definitely important if it's something you do and it's part of your comfort zone. I you know no Mar Garcia Parr comes to mind. We all know when he would step out of the box. He would put his little elbow up, he'd tighten his batting gloves, tap his feet, and then climb in. And he had to do that every pitch. And it's something that, it's probably something that started just as a rhythm thing to maybe calm his nerves down. And it's apparent to him, and he needs to do it. Uh, for me, I would retighten my batting gloves a lot. And there were probably times where I did it every time. And I think as, you know, as I got a little older, I feel like I still had it. But there were, there, I, I noticed myself not doing it every time. And, you know, I, I think to myself, I'm like, wow, why do I not do it sometimes? And it could be my mind is preoccupied with some other thought or I'm not in a, you know, I'm not needing that. I'm, I'm already in my comfort zone. Therefore, I don't need that thing, that twitch to get me there. Right. right. <laughs> um, and it's weird because sometimes I feel like, God, I should probably do it every time, you know. But there were times where I, I wouldn't do it. And it was like. I think it had to do with, I want to believe that when I was younger, I didn't really have this mm. brain that knew all the nuances of, you know, that pitch looked like this. Okay, you know, look a little more up or, or okay, he's going to do this to me, you know, uh, wait for your pitch or wait for this or. You know, his ball moves like this, so I should look in this area. I didn't have that as much when I was younger as I do now. Right. So when I was younger, it was more like, oh, the ball's coming in. You know, who knows where it is? And, you know, it was like I didn't have anything to think about besides just hit. <laughs> and, you know, I feel like as I got older and I started to know myself better – and I started to, you know, think before the pitch came. You know, you want think you want to think before the pitch comes, and then when that guy starts to get ready to throw it, you want all the thinking to be done, and then you're just reacting. Right. But that pre-thought can maybe steer you in a direction. Like I'm facing a sinker ball guy. I want to look for the pitch up. I'm looking for a pitch up. Or, you know, he throws really hard. I want to look for a pitch down. Or I know he's going to throw me change-ups down and away, so I'm really going to look up because that's what's going to be the pitch to hit. Or I'm going to think, let the ball get deep, 
because he doesn't throw that hard, and and I'm going to try to hit it in the other opposite gap. So those certain things that are probably good things to think about, but you know, there are sometimes in your career or a little stint where you you said you're constantly thinking about those things and you're not having success. And then you say, "Scrap all that, just see it and hit it." Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and it's it's a uh, hitting is a it's a mind blank if you know if you know what I mean. You know you. When it's going good, it's going good, and sometimes you need to flush it all down the toilet real quick and start over. So I really think that, you know, my nervous twitch that kind of, I want to say it was a nervous twitch. It was more of something that I did to put myself in that comfort zone. Mm -hmm. It gradually kind of gave way, and it didn't completely disappear, but it gradually gave way to... My thoughts, my pre-pitched thoughts, were kind of my new comfort zone. So it kind of adapted for me. It evolved into something. Um, and, you know, for Nomar, he, he kept it. He kept those, and a lot of people keep them. And, um, you know, I did too. It's just I, I noticed that at some point, you know, I stopped doing it every single pitch. So, yeah, uh you know, hitting is a, it's a very mental, mental thing that when that you can, you, you can be overcome by too much mental and sometimes you have to step back from that and just get to see it and hit it. Absolutely. You know, and when you talk about getting your mentals right and getting everything dialed in, how was it when you played in the World Series? Was, I can only imagine how overwhelming it would be. But how did you deal with your mental game during the World Series? Well, um, I can remember a couple nights before the World Series in a hotel room with one of my teammates. And we were watching like an ESPN clip of past World Series. And it came, it showed Bill Buckner and, you know, taking the ball under the legs and, oh, no, he ruined it for the Red Sox, you know? Right. And my buddy looks at me, he's like, we need to stop watching this shit, dude. <laughs> you know, like, we need to turn this off right now, because we definitely don't need that thought entering our mind. But when, like we've talked about before, the pressure rising because of the magnitude of the situation, you know, you have to turn your brain into, this is the positive thing. You know, and I went. I remember being on the field, going, "Oh man, the whole world is watching." You know, right. oh man, like you have a chance to be a St. Louis hero of God, basically. Right. You know, or you could be the most hated guy. <laughs> right. You know, and in in the end, I I remember thinking this. I go, you know what? You were in your backyard when you were ten years old pretending to be in the World Series and you freaking made it and you're here right now and this is it, you know? That right there, oh my God, you just accomplished something. Right. Like, this is an unbelievable accomplishment. How good do you feel right now that you you, you came to fruition of all that hard work and everything of being a little kid and now you're actually doing it? And that's a good feeling. And you say, wow. And then you think, I made it. Like, <laughs> you know, what? Like, 
what if you're that little kid and be like, hey, you know, you're going to make it to the World Series. I'll stop right there. I made it to the World Series. Okay, it's good enough for me. You know, I don't care what happened. Oh, I, oh I, I made a bad play like Bill Hunter. Who cares? I made, you said it. You already had me. At, I made it to the World Series. So, <laughs> right. you know, but again, we're competitors. We want to win. We want, we know the magnitude. You're there. Now you're there. Big deal. Okay. You know, you're there. You have to just think, I'm, again, this is an amazing accomplishment. I'm here. Uh, I'm in the game right now because I'm the best that there is. I'm the best that there is. It's awesome. I'm I'm playing on the world stage right now because I earned this. Yeah. And I'm here. And we're going to beat these guys. We're going to beat these guys and just start getting all, trying to fill your fill your head with good positive thoughts and and you know through a 162 game season the chance, the fact that you're still out there the fact that you made it through double a to triple a to triple a to the big leagues stays in, you stayed in the big leagues for three or four years the fact that you've done all that means you succeeded more than you failed right and don't ever lose sight of that. And, you know, don't let the thought of one bad play in the magnitude of any situation corrupt you or burn, you know, don't let that fire burn you down. Because that's the same fire that kept you going. The fact that you want to do well, the fact that you, you know, when you have messed up, you came back. Right. And, you know, it's a... Uh, that's that's the beauty of sports is no matter what, no matter how positive, no matter how awesome you are, if you keep playing, you're gonna fail. Right. And you're gonna succeed. But that's the beauty of sports. There's nobody I mean, I guess the Harlem Globetrotters Trotters are like nine nine hundred and fifty two and oh. They've never lost, but, uh, <laughs> right. you know, I, I told my kid the other day we were watching it, I'm like, you know, it's fake, right? He's like, what? It is? And I'm like, yeah, the guy didn't even cover him, you know? He was like, oh, I just thought this was an unbelievable team, you know? <laughs> but that's the, you know, you, you can't ever lose sight of that, and that's the beauty of sports is no matter what, there's always the flip side. There's always a loser. And there's always a winner. There's always a loser. There's always a winner. But the real losers are the people who aren't playing or the people who stop. You know, of course, I'm retired. I'm not playing anymore. But, you know, I didn't get pushed out because of negativity. Right. You know, and and I didn't stop playing because I failed one time. Right. It's better off to be playing and fail than to never have played at all. It was it. Better to have loved and lost than never have loved at all. It's true, <laughs> right. in, it's true in sports. Right, right. <laughs> it is. You know, it's, absolutely. Yeah, it's awesome. That's awesome. One more last question before we go here. What do you think, as of today, in this, in the, in, at the professional level, professional baseball, do you think sports psychology or mental performance is embraced by players and organizations? Or is it something that we're still trying to catch up to or catch on to? Uh, I think it's something that most every team, every team in baseball uh, has somebody come in and talk every year about, uh, 
the mental part of the game. Right. You know, and again, if you've been in the big leagues for 15 years, you've probably heard it 15, you know, 15 different times in spring training. And, right. and every team has a sports psych guy. Okay. Um, it's, it's huge. It's, it's huge. And, um, I do think that certain teams pay more attention to it than others. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, especially when you're at the top, and this is something that I think it's, it's so much more valuable at the lower levels because these are players who may possibly get beat by their own negative thoughts mm. and not reach their potential. Right. But you have to understand, if, if you're talking to a bunch of big leaguers, you know, you're talking to the guys, that's the cream. They've risen to the top, you know what I mean? And then you look at the all-stars of those guys – and they're they're the top of the cream, mm. and so most of these guys have their brains are already working at a really good mental toughness, uh, positive thinking way. Now, within that, there are definitely people who can think better. I mean, we I remember the guy said, you know, negative thoughts, negative thoughts are bad, negative thoughts are bad, negative thoughts are bad. And, you know, I tend to think that they're not all bad. They're, they're bad if you let them burn you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> but you got to let it heat your house. You know, you got to let it heat your house, not burn you down. Right. And um, I remember the whole guy, you know, said, you know, if you're outside and you've got six laps to run and it's 100 degrees and you're like, oh, God, it's 100 degrees out here. It's so hot. Guess what? It just got hotter. Right. That's what he says, you know. You, you know, instead of thinking that thing, you know what? I could do this all day. I could do. In fact, I could do another fifteen degrees. It, it could be hotter, and I'd still be out here running. You're right. You know, if you think that, well, this is not as bad. So, it, it's huge. It's huge in sports now. I there's a guy out here in San Rafael who you might want to talk to who's trying to he claims he's a guy who played in the big leagues he had an amazing world series and then he ended up not really having a great big league career his name was his buddy Bianca Lana played shortstop for the Kansas City Royals and he claims he was like man when I was in that world series I had these I was in what we call the zone you know where my brain was completely working at optimal level. There was no negative thoughts. I was just, everything was great. He's like, and then I, you know, the next year, it's like, I couldn't get that same feeling. And then two years later, I was like out of the big leagues sitting at home. And he's like, you know, if I could have just bottled that groove feeling, that zone feeling, I would play 20 years in the big leagues. Right. And so he actually says he claims to be able to help athletes not only find the zone, but when they get it, keep it for longer. Got it. And I'm not sure how he's doing it or what the science is behind it, 
but I know the feeling of being in the zone. And, you know, it, it has to do with, with success, 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 snowballing and building the more success and feeling great about it. Right. Um, and I think, you know, the, there's, you know, when you're on one of those streaks where nothing can go wrong, you're in that realm, you're in that element. Um, and you know, that's what the zone is. Mm. Uh, you know, I think it's, um, I don't know how you can teach it. You know, I think sports psychology tries to say we do all these positive thinking things or we, you know, and we, if we do the right thing, we'll learn how to, we will get into the zone right. and let's, let's create some thinking process to where, you know, we don't want negative thoughts to take us out of the zone. Um, you know, as far as being able to actually teach people to get into the zone, uh, you know, it, to me, it's something that just happens and you're there for a while. You know, and I mean, I think it's, it's a little bit separate from just positive thinking. Right. You know, because hell, I can be positive thinking and, you know. <laughs> I could be 0 for 4 three days in a row, and I can still say positive thinking, and everybody will tell you I'm not in the zone, I think. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. It's, you know, the zone or flow or peak performance, those are – they're definitely interchangeable, but they're – this is what we strive for as athletes. We want to get in the zone. We want to get in that flow mode. Um and it's 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 you don't really teach it, but like you were saying, it's you do certain things to get you in position. And sometimes you're in it longer than than normal, or you're you're in it for a very short amount of time. Or there's some athletes that have never experienced what flow and zone feels like, because there's so many different ways that we do experience that that experience. Which you know, if everything moves really quick. You don't even know what you're doing, but you're doing everything right, and everything just falls into place, or everything slows down. Everything's in slow mo, but colors are very clear. You can hear everything or not hear anything. So it's really interesting. You know, it's a beautiful experience if you have a chance to to experience it. It's it can be a little bit of addictive, uh, or being a, a, being addicting. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, the game does slow down when you're in the zone a lot more. Mm-hmm. The game slows down. You know, it's kind of like, uh, well, if you've ever been in a car wreck or something or spun out, you know, how it seems like it's going in slow motion or, or if, uh, yeah, it's, you know, hitting a baseball. There are times when, like, I pick up the pitch and I see it so good and I hit it and it seemed like it was in slow motion. Or I go to tag a runner out and I catch it and my brain is like, you know, I'm in the conscious, but I'm, you know, I'm doing a, a move that I've done a million times and I'm doing it and it's, you know, you look and you're like, what? You know, the ref, how'd you miss that? You know, the umpire, how'd you miss that? You know, right. I saw plain as day, you know, you're right there, I was right there, you know, maybe he wasn't in the zone, but you were, and you saw that. Uh, it's, uh, 
you know, I, like, I like how you say, you know, a lot of things slow down. And when, when you're not in the zone, it's usually not the case that you get that slow down feeling. Right. Um, and, you know, for the most part, you know, that zone is it's automatic pilot. Your brain is on automatic pilot. You're not, you know, like a, like a quarterback. He comes to the line, okay? He reads the defense, all right? And he might go, okay, she's consciously thinking about where that safety is or that guy. What defense might they be in? Where are these guys going to move after I say hi? Right. Okay, but once he goes back and all of a sudden the linebacker's chasing him and he's running away and then he sees an open receiver, he throws it. I mean, he's he's working on automatic pilot. You know what I mean? He hits open guy, boom. And when that ball's in the air, the receiver is going for it. And that last second when he jumps up for it, I mean, if he's locked in and he sees it well, that starts to slow down. Everything starts to slow down. You to see the ball come in real, real slow and bam. And then, you know, if you don't see it well, you're not sure of yourself and your mind is going, oh, I don't know where the ball is. And then all of a sudden you pick it up and it happens really fast and you miss it. Hitters do the same thing. And there, there's a thing called soft hearts focus, which... You know, it's, it's it's not along the same lines of the thought process. It's an actual thing where when our eyes first shift to something, okay, when we first pick up an object, our brain and our eyes are just focused on that point. Mm. And the longer we stare at that, the more our brain starts to notice other things around Mm. And our brain starts to wander, right? Right. Um, and I think sometimes when we're in the zone, we have the ability to completely knock out, just disregard all the other stuff. And and we're focused on that one spot, that one point really well. Um, and also, you know, as a hitter, you know, that's what I say. You want to pick up that ball. You don't want to be just staring at the pitcher. You want to pick up the ball right at the release point. And when that, everything, and then you are only locked in on that. Um, and so, yeah, the, this, the, the unconscious, man, when you're just going on automatic pilot, you think about certain things, but when you're in the moment when those, those things are happening so fast to the spectator, but to the athlete that's in it, in his brain, it's happening very, very slow. Um, and I, you know, when you have negative thoughts and it, you don't see it as well, it happens a lot faster. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, what I like to do at the end of every podcast, I always like to promote a book. So this is a, an awesome book if you guys, my listeners, are interested. It's called Mental Keys to Hitting, a handbook for strategies for performance enhancement. And um, the author is H.A. Dorfman. So definitely check this out if you're interested. Uh, Aaron, man, it's been awesome talking to you. I uh, love just kind of hearing the way you think about mental performance and sharing your your not only your 
your experience as a professional athlete, but just your experience at the World Series. So, man, I, I thank you for your time and definitely want to have you back on the show uh, to talk about some more stuff because uh, it seems like there's a lot more things that we can talk about. Man, there is. I appreciate you having me on. It gets me excited. You know, I'm going to be uh, getting back into my season. Uh, definitely good to refresh the brain on all these subjects. Because, you know, every time you talk about something, something else pops up that you remember uh, another angle or whatever. So, yeah, uh, it's great. Thank you. I enjoyed the conversation. And hope, uh, hopefully, you know, there's some athletes out there or some people that, uh, you know, they listen to your show and they will take something away from what I have to say and what we what we've said. Thank you very much for having me on. Appreciate awesome. It. Awesome, man. Awesome. Thank you.